0: Hello friends, I am back and we are getting back into what the authors of the New Testament really cared about. We are in part three of what John really cared about. Um, So let's get into this. So sorry if you guys can hear my fan, it is super hot here in Texas. So yeah, we are running the fan. This first section is called Rejected by the Jews. Despite his overwhelming credentials as the sent son of God, as the fulfiller of Jewish expectations, Jesus was rejected by many of his own people. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. John one eleven. Much of John's gospel seems like a trial of Jesus. In this first bullet point, it says: After cleansing the temple, the Jews asked for a miraculous sign. prove his authority. That comes from John chapter 2 verse 18. Second, after healing an invalid at the pool of Bethesda, on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. That's John 5 verse 16. Third, despite his feeding of the 5,000, many of Jesus' disciples turned back and no longer followed him from John 6 verse 66. Number four, at the Feast of Tabernacles, they tried to seize Jesus. John 7, verse 30 and 44. After Jesus taught that he was the light of the world, those present thought he was demon possessed. From John chapter 8, verse 48. Six, after Jesus' healing of the blind man, the Jews mistakenly claimed they were not blind. That's from John chapter 9, verse 40. 7. At the Feast of Dedication, they picked up stones to kill him, John chapter 10, verse 31. Lastly, John stated in 11, verse 53, that from that day on they plotted to take his life, which culminated in Jesus' trial before the Jewish and Roman officials, which led to his crucifixion. At the same time, however, some did believe in him. In fact, following almost every example of rejection in the gospel, There are some who believed. John introduced this theme in chapter 1. His own did not receive him, was followed immediately by, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. John chapter 1 verse 11 through 12. This oscillation between rejection and belief continues throughout the gospel to the end where at the crucifixion the vast majority of the Jewish people reject Jesus, but some believe. At the foot of the cross stood his mother, his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene, along with the disciple whom he loved. That's from John chapter 19, verse 25 and 26. This next paragraph is called, Bringer of the New Covenant. In fulfilling Judaism, Jesus also brought the expected new covenant from Jeremiah 31:31. 31, 31. This is illustrated in Jesus' first sign, changing water to wine. While the sign is often understood as just a miracle, a deeper look at Old Testament connections show how significant it was. The Jews expected the new covenant to be like a banquet. This miracle took place at a wedding banquet. Matthew 22 verse 2, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. They also expected a lot of wine to be at the banquet, Isaiah chapter 25 verse 6 and Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 12 and 31. This is clearly seen in Amos nine eleven, where the sign of the restoration of David's fallen tent would be the presence of wine in abundance. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter by the one treading grapes. New wine will drip from the mountains and flow from all the hills. Amos nine thirteen. 13. When Jesus produced a lot of wine in the wedding banquet at Cana, 120 to 180 gallons, he revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. John chapter 2, verse 11. Since they knew the Jewish background, they would have understood that by changing the water, which was used for Jewish cleansing, into the expected wine of the New Covenant, Jesus was doing something very significant. He was initiating the New Covenant, which was better than the Old Covenant. You have saved the best till now. John chapter 2 verse 10, also Hebrews chapter 8 verse 6 through 12. This next paragraph is called Bringer of True Revelation. As the one who brought the new covenant, Jesus also brought the final and true revelation that superseded all previous revelation. Though God had not spoken to his people through a prophet for centuries, the centuries of silence lasted from Malachi, the last Old Testament prophet, until the beginning of the New Testament times. God now sent his Living Word. As the one and only Son who came from the Father's side, John chapter 1, verse 18, and John chapter 3, verse 31 through 33, and John chapter 7, verse 16, Jesus did not receive his information about heavenly things second hand. As a result, he uniquely made God the Father known as he spoke about heavenly things, John chapter 3, verse 11 through 13. Not only did John say that Jesus came down from heaven, but God gave the Spirit without limit to him. John chapter 3 verse 34 Jesus' reception of the Spirit contrasted with the prophet's experience. A one-fifth century B.C. Jewish text commented, The Holy Spirit who rests on the prophets rests on them in a limited amount. In the Old Testament, One of the results of receiving the Spirit was the ability to reveal God's word to others. Thus says the Lord. Since Jesus received the Spirit without measure, he could fully and finally reveal God. As the light of the world, Jesus came to shine God's revelatory light. When people encountered this light, they could spiritually see just as clearly as the blind man of John 9 could physically see when the light of the world healed him. When Jesus shines the light of revelation, he brings truth because God is truthful. John chapter 3 verse 33, John chapter 4 verse 18, and John chapter 8 verse 31 and 32. This next section is called John in his gospel celebrated that Jesus provided a way. Despite rejection by many of his own people, Jesus went to the cross and laid down his life for the sheep, John chapter 10 verse 11. The giver of life died. John paradoxically referred to Jesus' hour of death with the terms glorified, John chapter 12 verse 23, John chapter 13 verse 31, and lifted up, John chapter 3 verse 14, John chapter 8 verse 28, and John chapter 12 verse 32. The term lifted up was used in Greek for the enthronement of a royal figure. Jesus was enthroned as king as he was lifted up on the cross. He was lifted up spiritually when he was lifted up physically. John the Baptist's statement, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John chapter 1 verse 29 may have been an allusion to Jesus' coming death in fulfillment of the Passover lamb that was sacrificed to save the Israelites, Exodus 12, verse 21 and 27. Or may also have been an allusion to Isaiah 53, verse 4 through 7, where Isaiah spoke about a servant who would suffer. This is allusion with an A, not with an I, just so you guys know. After feeding the 5,000, Jesus taught that he was the bread of life. This bread is my flesh which I will give for the life of the world, John chapter 6 verse 51. It was because of Jesus' sacrificial death that believing in him leads to life. The Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, John chapter 10 verse 11. Although John's little preposition for or in the place of does not seem to be very significant, it is theologically significant since it contains the idea of substitutionary atonement. John notes that Jesus gave up his life as a sacrifice for, or in place of, others. Paul explained the theology. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 John also pointed his readers toward Jesus' sacrificial death. At John chapter 11, verse 50, it is better for you that one man die for the people. This next paragraph is called Finding Life in Jesus Through Believing. Jesus' sacrificial death, however, did not automatically bring eternal life to everyone in the world. In order to receive that life, one had to believe in Jesus. John chapter 20 verse 31. John never used the noun faith. He always used the verb to believe or to have faith, 98 times. By constantly using the verb, John emphasized the active response of believing. The idea of believing in today's church is often seen as an action that is performed solely by the brain, that is, an intellectual action. Belief certainly includes the intellectual assent to facts, but John showed that real belief in Jesus always leads to obedience. For example, it was only because the royal official believed Jesus that he could leave him and return to his son, John chapter 4 verse 50. It was only because the blind man believed Jesus that he went to the pool of Siloam to wash, John chapter 9 verse 7 and 38. This next paragraph is called Finding Life Only in Jesus. John made it clear that the way to life comes only through belief in Jesus. The disciples did not find life in the law or in Moses or in any other pathway to God. They believe in Jesus. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. John chapter 1 verse 12. It is unpopular today to make the exclusive claim that Jesus is the door, the way, the truth, the life, the resurrection, the shepherd, the bread of life, and the light. John taught, though in his equally pluralistic first century world, that there was life in no other name than Jesus, and whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. John 3 verse 18. This last paragraph that we're going to get into is called John in his gospel delighted that the way was open to all. Okay, so this section actually has two different sections in it. This first section is called salvation for the Jews. Although it is certainly true that Jesus was sent to Israel to comfort her, Isaiah chapter 40 verse 1 John wrote that Israel as a whole did not embrace her Messiah. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. John chapter 1 verse 11. Though Jesus brought judgment upon the ruler of this world, John chapter 12 verse 31, Israel would also be judged if she failed to respond to Jesus. He told the Pharisees, for example, that they would be judged for their blindness, John chapter 9, verse 39 through 41. This judgment did not mean that all Jews would be excluded from the life that Jesus offered. Instead, it meant that the very definition of the people of God had expanded. John emphasized that eternal life was offered to all who believe, John chapter 1, verse 12, and John chapter 3, verse 16. While this universal offer makes perfect sense to people today who are in churches made up mostly of Gentiles, it would have been more difficult to understand in the first century Jewish context. The Jews of Jesus' day expected that the Messiah would bring glory and blessing to Israel. They would have quoted, The Lord rises upon you, Israel, and his glory appears over you. Isaiah chapter 60 verse 2 The very next verse in Isaiah, though, shows that the nations would also participate in the blessings of the Messiah, but only by joining themselves to Israel. Nations will come to your light. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 3. But many within Judaism in the first century did not think that the Gentiles would receive any blessings when the Messiah came. One Jewish text says, Yahweh of hosts, will make for all the peoples in this mountain a meal. And though the Gentiles suppose it is an honor, it will be a shame for them, and great plagues will come, plagues from which they will be unable to escape, plagues whereby they will come to their end. Targum to Isaiah twenty five six. Okay, and this last section is called Salvation for the Gentiles. As a result, it would have surprised many Jews to hear Jesus speak of the universal offer of salvation. When I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. John chapter 12, verse 32. In the Good Shepherd passage, Jesus spoke of gathering other sheep, which is a reference to Gentiles. John chapter 10, verse 16. John explained Caiaphas' prophecy about the substitutionary death Of Jesus in this way Jesus would die for the Jewish nation and not only for that nation but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together and make them one John chapter 11 verse 51 and 52 in John's explanation of Jesus's mission in chapters 2 through 4 we see a parallel to the expansion of the gospel message found in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. As was mentioned above, the changing of the water to wine miracle showed that Jesus brought the new covenant, John chapter 2, verse 1 through 11. All of the texts in the Old Testament that mention the expectation of wine, Isaiah 25, verse 6, Jeremiah 31, verse 6, and 12, and Amos chapter 9 verse 11 through 14 also mention the nations or peoples it seems that god wanted to emphasize that the nations or gentiles would be included at the inception of the new covenant when jesus kicked out the money changers and animals from the temple john chapter 2 verse 12 through 25 they were probably trading their goods in the large court of the gentiles an outer area within the temple where the Gentiles could worship God. By clearing the commotion, Jesus showed compassion to the Gentiles by making the worship of God possible for them. John then recorded that Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. Not even Nicodemus, a high-ranking Jew, was automatically accepted into the New Covenant. Nicodemus couldn't depend upon his physical descent from Abraham. He had to have faith in Jesus because God loved the world, John 3.16. The world includes both Jews and Gentiles. God's love extends beyond Israel to include all peoples of the world. In the next passage, John stated that the Samaritan woman believed, along with her entire town, John four through 42 The Samaritans were the enemies of the Jews, and the Jews considered Samaritan women to be unclean yet this Samaritan woman believed in Jesus the final declaration was both highly theological and significant now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world john chapter 4 verse 42 jesus was not just the savior of the jews he was the savior of the entire world John then stated that Jesus healed the son of a royal official, John chapter 4 verse 43 through 54, who was most likely a Gentile. When he realized that Jesus had healed his son at the very hour that Jesus declared, "Your son will live," he and all his household believed. John chapter 4 verse 53. In other words, John recorded in these 3 chapters that the offer of salvation extended from Jerusalem to Samaria, to the ends of the earth, symbolized in the Gentile royal official. John did not end this theme of the extension of the gospel to Gentiles here. Later, in chapter 12, he showed that some Greeks came to talk to Jesus. Rather than responding to them, Jesus began to talk about his death. It was only through his death that the door would be opened wide to the Gentile mission. As we see in the book of Acts, Jesus said, When I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. That's from John chapter 12, verse 32. Perhaps the sign placed above Jesus' cross stating that he was the king of the Jews was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek, John chapter 19, verse 20, to symbolize this inclusive nature of Jesus' death. What the Pharisees said became true. Look how the whole world has gone after him. John chapter 12 verse 19. Alright, so that is where we're going to leave off for today. We'll finish off this section of the book tomorrow and then the day after that we will get into the book of Luke. I hope you guys all enjoyed this as much as I have. I'm really learning a lot about the book of John that I really just did not know. So if you guys have any questions, or if you need me to run something by you, just shoot me an email and I'll respond as quickly as I can. Hope you all have a great day, and until next time!